Welcome to another episode of The Workplace, the radio program about how to get into, get along, and get ahead at work, produced and presented by me, N.N.D. Every March, Women's History Month, here on The Workplace, we feature topics related to women and work. We began this year's series with a two-part episode featuring author Lady Colin Campbell, who shared some tips on navigating the publishing industry successfully as a woman, and work in the context of her book People of Colour and the Royals, published by Dynasty Press Limited. In the previous episode in this year's series titled Women, Art and Invisibility, the founder of Toma, the other MA, joined me to talk about her organization, which is an unaccredited postgraduate level art program designed to suit the everyday lives of 21st century artists by circumventing typical obstacles to accessing higher education, such as gender and ethnicity, age, cost, disability, and caring responsibilities. In this episode, I'm joined by Laura Smith, curator at Whitechapel Gallery, and Emma Talbot, winner of the 8th Max Mara Prize, the only visual art prize for women in the UK. Firstly, we hear about Emma's winning proposal for the Max Mara Art Prize for Women, a feminist response to the apparent shame of female ageing presented in Gustav Klimt's 1905 painting, Three Ages of Woman. She uses this as the starting point for her Max Mara Prize project and intends to animate the figure of the older woman as someone with agency who overcomes a series of trials similar to the Twelve Labours of Hercules. We also hear about her Circa Commission, Four Visions for a Hopeful Future, a new body of four animated films in collaboration collaboration with Whitechapel Gallery, Collezioni Maramotti, and the Max Mara Art Prize for Women. Following a woman at the gateway between the old world and a new world to be made, the animations tell the story of a protagonist in search of answers to guide both her own journey and the development of society to a spiritual and political rebirth. Four Visions for a Hopeful Future is screened in a rolling four-night schedule every evening at 2021 hours on the iconic Piccadilly light screen until the end of March. Please visit circa.art for details. That's C-I-R-C-A dot art, circa dot art, and to connect for a fully immersive audiovisual experience. To find out more about the Max Mara Art Prize for Women, please visit whitechapelgallery.org. Laura Smith and Emma Talbot. Welcome to the workplace. And uh, Emma, congratulations on winning the Max Mara Prize 2021. Thank you. It's been really amazing to have won it, to be honest. Great. But we'll begin with Laura. Laura, tell us a bit about yourself and the Max Mara Prize. Hi, so I'm a curator at Whitechapel Gallery, where I've been for three years now. And before that, I was a curator at Tate for six years. And across each institution, what really interests me is supporting artists, historical, contemporary, who might not be getting the recognition that they deserve, either because of their gender, ethnicity, class, age, or because they have what is termed a disability. So while I was at Tate, I curated a large scale trans historic exhibition about feminism. And I was thrilled when I started at Whitechapel and was asked to curate the Max Mara Art Prize for Women. A bit about the prize. The award is supported by Whitechapel, Max Mara and Collezioni Maramotti, which is the collection of the Maramotti family, the founders of Max Mara. 
It's given every two years to an artist who identifies as a woman, is resident in the UK and hasn't had a major solo institutional exhibition before. It's about supporting an artist, no matter her age, at the stage in her career where the prize can be transformative. It began in 2005 when our director, Ivona Blaswick, and Luigi Maramotti, the chairman of Max Mara, were discussing the then state of the art world. Since 1951, Max Mara as a brand has dedicated itself to women, and Whitechapel Gallery has a long history of supporting women's art practice, having given artists such as Barbara Hepworth, Frida Kahlo, Helen Frankenthaler, and recently Anna Maria Maulino their first solo shows in the UK. So together, Ivana and Luigi recognised the need to address some of the structural and institutional systems that meant that women do not have the same status as men in the art world. And they devised a prize in which the winner receives the gift of time, space and funding to make a new work, which is then exhibited in a solo exhibition at Whitechapel Gallery and Collezioni Maramotti in Reggio Emilia in Italy. What that means specifically is that the artist, in this instance Emma, receives a six-month fully funded residency in Italy that is bespoke to her needs. And that's really important because that allows tailoring around childcare, access, language, etc., as well as her research interests. She's further supported during that time with an artist fee, and the residency is arranged and tailored, as I said, exactly to her wishes by the wonderful team at Collezioni Maramotti. The artist then also receives separate funding to produce a new work, plus the exhibition, the tour and the publication. And after the work has been shown, Collezioni Maramotti then acquire the commission. So for me, what's really exciting is that the prize thinks about every stage of artistic practice, from time and research to exhibition making and publication to acquisition. It kind of completes the circle. Emma was announced as the winner of the eighth edition of the prize in March 2020, and she's still waiting to go on her residency. Thank you for your patience, Emma. Uh, and hopefully she'll be able to go really soon. So Max Mara, I think people associate with fashion. I don't mm-hmm. understand how it how how it comes into you know like why Max Mara? Uh, because they so they have this art collection which is the Collezioni Maramotti, which is a, a collection and a foundation for historic and contemporary art that was founded. The Maramotti family are the founders of Max Mara. So oh, I see. Okay. A really strong kind of tandem interest in fashion and art. Okay, lovely. Okay, Emma, let's hear uh, a bit from you. How would you describe your work? My work investigates the personal, intimate, internal narrative of feelings and emotions and psychological experience. And then it casts that into the wider context of current prevalent concerns of our time. So it does that through using very drawn and immediate imagery and text on painted silk hangings. Uh, I make 3D work, drawings um, and installations with sound and more recently animations to try and record the kind of the way that we think and the way that we have very intense private personal lives and are simultaneously citizens of the world. So It considers through narrative our relationships to nature, with technology, what it's like to be a citizen in a regenerating city, those kinds of issues. But it always brings it back to this kind of very felt personal um, experience. 
Emma, you also do some kind of like storyboard looking panels and stuff. I'm, I was very intrigued by those. They don't look like almost like things like you would see like in a cartoon or a comic strip in terms of the little squares, but they are not cartoons or comic strips. Yeah, people often make that association because it's less usual, I guess, in painted images to see more than one image together. So, you know, when, when I was thinking about how I wanted to convey the ideas that I had about the layers in which we thought, so we, we think in different layers all the time. And I wanted to have multiple images to convey this kind of multiplicity of our thinking. So it always has been the case that rather than one image representative of a, an idea, for me, there are always a number of images and a number of texts and a number of different kind of elements to encounter in order to, to get across the sense of the kind of multiplicity of uh, the problematics of things and the way that we feel and understand. Well, I feel very proud of myself for calling it a storyboard, uh, for picking up on that. But what do you call it, that kind of style you've created? Is it, do you have a term or a word for it? Um, I don't really think of it as, I mean, a storyboard is a good way of describing it, but I, I don't kind of have a term that I use. I think for me, the, the sense of openness that would allow anything to happen in the work is what's important. It's the narratives aren't linear, so they aren't about something that directly describes one thing happens, then another, then another. It's more like a number of things together make up the sense of the work. And in the work, there are always lots of questions. The texts ask questions and they kind of provoke ideas, hopefully. So that there are a number of jumping off points. So, you know, a storyboard is a sense in a way of containing a set of ideas and, and making it apparent how that narrative will unfold. So it's quite accurate to say like that. But I, I do think of it as a much more open uh, way of working. And in other aspects of your work not the storyboard kind of ones the other kinds of um mm. uh, images you create there's an element of mysticism could you tell us a bit more about this and what influenced this yeah i think that that idea of mysticism as you put it is really about the potential to think beyond the immediacy of the everyday so to think about us in relation to something much wider, like the dynamics of the universe or the way that, say, voices can carry through time via artwork or things that we might read. So, so that the idea of temporality, for example, is much more elastic than it might seem in, in the perfunctory every day. So there's something that's interesting to me about a kind of interconnectedness that we have with a wider scope of possibility like you know for example nature has signals that we can't necessarily read but they're still there or you know we might think about what happens after we die and that that's a mystery to us we ask these existential questions you know alongside the everyday that you know we live we also have this curiosity about us in the world and and that is also in the thinking in the work. I always like to ask artists, which artist or artists have most influenced you and why? Yeah, I think for me, um, non-Western um, making, like for example, in Japanese prints or non-Western craft and artifacts, I find, I find the kind of open and curious way of making that I see in non-Western artifacts uh, and imagery 
really fascinating and also pre-Renaissance imagery. So a painter like Sassetta, for example, who's a medieval painter, I think because of the limitations of knowledge in um, medieval times, there's a lot of invention about how the world could be understood and, and apprehended. And it's that kind of inventiveness, both in making and in image construction, that I love. And I also love artists like Carol Rama, who I think her work has this kind of openness and vulnerability about it that I, I really admire. Before we talk about your proposal that won the prize and your current work, I just want to briefly explore a bit of your past work. Um, the work that I've made over the last um, few years has really sort of developed into installation. You know, at first I was making drawings, multiple drawings that I'd show together. And then I wanted all those images to be on one surface. So I started to make them on paintings. And then I realized at a certain point that the structure of the canvas, the sort of rectangle of the canvas was a limitation for me. So I started to paint onto silk which can be cut and shaped and hung and draped and installed in space in very interesting ways. And that led to me making very large scale silk hangings and to making installations. And then I was also developing the work into three-dimensional work, which I think of as drawings in three dimensions. So they're very much like the sort of drawings that I might have made on paper. And that extension of the work has is something that's just developed over recent years um, which leads me to kind of where I am today because the work in the last year has expanded again to incorporate animation. So what was your proposal that won the prize? So my proposal is multi-layered but the starting point is uh, Gustav Klimt's 1905 painting which is called Three Ages of Woman. And the painting depicts a baby, a young woman, and an elderly woman who stands totally naked with her head in her hands in a state of shame. And I found the painting on a personal level intriguing and disturbing because the prospect, the image of the elderly woman who should be ashamed of being elderly, uh, struck me as something that I couldn't let go of as an image. It, it felt for me um, a sort of terrible that uh, an elderly woman would be thought of in that way and yet also a truth of our society that that's you know elderly women are often seen as redundant so I wanted to tackle that but also when I researched the painting I found out that it was bought by the Galleria Nazionale in Rome to celebrate 50 years of the unification of Italy and I thought that was a very strange painting to celebrate the unification of a country. And at the moment, there's a resurgence in nationalism in Europe, in the States and in the UK. And so I felt that this image was more about the, the sort of ideas of modernism, which are about sort of pushing away ancient rights, ancient practices, um, superstitions and beliefs in favour of a kind of modern way of thinking. And I, I found that the way that we're thinking now about sustainability and the way that we're thinking about our future means that we have to reincorporate ancient beliefs back into our systems in order to survive ourselves. The painting is a painting that represents women. So it describes women at different ages and it describes an elderly woman in a way that 
is to me unacceptable because it describes her as a person who should be ashamed um, because she's standing naked and and it it delineates her in in a very analytical way as a as a figure who who you know we should look at with a kind of horror but at the same time it's very interesting that this image is representative of the unification of a country because when you look at the image and you think about that you realize that the image suggests that old practices ancient rites ancient ways of thinking and being are being rejected in order to um, promote a sense of modernism and future for a country so if you look at the image and you think of it as an image of nationalism it describes a kind of potential future which leaves behind ancient practices it leaves behind a kind of uh, superstitious or um, uh, sort of a, a way of being which is which is not within the kind of remit of say modern science or modern thinking and I find that very interesting because in our period of time when nationalism is again a very current and divisive topic across Europe and in the States and in Britain, it, uh, we, we're also having to investigate these ancient beliefs and ancient systems in order to help us build sustainable systems. So the things that were rejected previously the idea of the old being rejected is actually something that we're making use of to shape our future. So I wanted to take this elderly figure as a figure who wasn't redundant, someone who had a lot of agency, and I wanted to make her into someone who would shape our future. And also I wanted to put her in a narrative where she would go back to the past and she would reorder some of the power structures that are the basis of our governance and um, the way that power is constructed in the, the Western modern world. So I propose to take this elderly woman as a protagonist. Maybe Laura, you could come in a bit here and tell us a bit about the way the prize operates in terms of, um, so it's, it's uh, winners are picked every two years, but what do they have to do to um, um, be considered and a bit about the process if you will and maybe who normally judges it and so on. Nominations for the prize are put forward every two years by a jury that changes with each iteration of the prize and usually comprises, it's all women, it's an all-woman jury, comprising an artist, a critic or a curator, a collector and a gallerist. And they each put forward five artists who they think are worthy of winning the prize. And then over a day, they come together. And from that long list of 20 that they've each put forward, they debate and discuss until they reach a shortlist of five. That those five shortlisted artists are then given a fee to develop a proposal and come to Whitechapel and present their proposal to the jury. Uh, in Emma's case, the jury were Florence Ingleby, uh, the gallerist of Ingleby Gallery in Edinburgh, the artist Chantelle Joff, 
the critic Hetty Judah and the collector Fatima Maleki. And alongside Emma, the other shortlisted artists were Hannah Taluki, Katie Schwab, Alison Katz and Ty Shani. So they all presented their ideas uh, and it was in, in this instance, it was a very, very tough decision. But I think as we've heard, Emma's proposal sounds so interesting and so relevant to our contemporary circumstance. Um, and it felt like the really right moment to, to um, give Emma the, the time and the space to develop the, her ideas around uh, this project. Actually, it, it, that's so true. Like her four visions of a hopeful future. It's almost in a way like she's documenting the whole pandemic and everything. Um, so Emma, if you could tell us a bit about the four, the four visions for a hopeful future. Well, the four visions for a hopeful future are the four animations that I've made for Circa, the Circa project, which is um, screened on the big screen at Piccadilly Circus each evening during March um, at 8.21 p.m. 2021. And those animations were developed thinking about the last year that we've all experienced, the, the year of the pandemic, the way that our lives have been halted by being in lockdown, by, you know, being un under the constraints that are necessary for COVID. But they also think about the way that during this time, a lot of writers have been describing the potential for us to re-envisage our future in a hopeful way. So to really think about the ways that we might construct our societal structures, the way that we might think about our relationships with nature, but also the way that we might work as communities together. So the four animations explore different aspects of these ideas and they ask questions like, you know, what is a city now if no one's in it? What is it like to build a community? What is it like to hear voices which convey visionary ideas? And in each of the animations, there's a kind of transformative moment, which is almost dreamlike, where the figures, which are always women, move through a kind of portal into a hopeful future. So they're very colourful and very sort of imaginative imagery to make up the animations. But they also describe the real experience of our times. So to be clear, the, the four visions for a hopeful future, these yeah. are part of the Circa Commission, but they are yes, not. Right. Okay, so before I sort of interrupted you and went to Laura, you were going, you were going to tell us about um, what the older, how you were sort of reinventing yeah. the idea of Klimt's older woman. Yes. So yes. that is different from yes. the anim animations we see. Yes, yes. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So did you want to tell us about how you have reinvented this this older woman? How 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 have yeah. you empowered her and so? Yes. So what I'll do when I go to Italy is to do research to be able to animate uh, and narrate this elderly woman's journey through two temporalities. So in the future, she will be a kind of survivor in the future who will learn the principles of permaculture and relearn ancient practices in order to build a sustainable future, a sustainable way of living in a very volatile environment. And in the narrative where she goes to the past, she'll go right to the roots of the 
power stories which still get voiced in our contemporary governance, the classics. So she's going to take on the 12 trials of Hercules. And originally, Hercules resolved these tasks by aggression, killing, capture, theft, trickery. And I thought, well, if an elderly woman was faced with these tasks, and she was very wise and considerate, she probably wouldn't resolve them in the same way at all. She might use principles of commensalism or mutualism and be much more considerate and caring about how she thought about those problematics. So I thought it was really interesting to give this woman the agency to reorder our current power structures, to form a more benevolent environment and also to be the kind of vanguard of the future. And how interesting that, you know, <laughs> you know, when you consider the times that we're in, the recent resurgence around um, feminist activism and so on, women's rights and the societal dynamics between men and women, it all seems yes. very prescient, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but that's what I try to do with my work. I try to really engage with the things that we're experiencing in the times that we're living in, but also to extend them through narrative so that it opens out the thinking around these subjects. It's a bit of a challenge for me to dance between the Circa Commission, which mm -hmm. is the Piccadilly Lights display, and then the actual work, the proposal that won the Max Mara Prize. But I want to just say there's something in all of the stuff I read that said, you know, when, you know, does the woman look into the, does she look deep into the pit or will she look up at the stars? That's one mm -hmm. observation. Mm -hmm. And the other is when you were speaking just now and you said something about, um, you know, what is a city? And so I went down to Piccadilly Circus to look at the display. And of mm -hmm. course, now because we're in lockdown and we're not really meant to go out and unless it's for an essential purpose, which this was, um, <laughs> it was interesting to see Piccadilly Circus on a Friday night with no one in it. That that I really, it, it, I mean, just extraordinary. So um, it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's like being in London at 3am or something you but know. not even really London at 3am on a Friday on a Friday yeah, is often very busy yeah. yeah exactly yeah, absolutely. So it's a it, very curious experience curious is the right word I felt a kind of a, a, a sort of a sadness or, or something that I really had never experienced before so that question about what is a city is a city a city if no people are in it and so on very very yeah. um incisive just in before we wrap up maybe Laura you can tell me about the your name and lights initiative Circa is a new platform that for two minutes of the day takes over the advertising screen on Piccadilly Circus and replaces what would ordinarily be there with the work of an artist, a contemporary artist. So it's featured Ai Weiwei and Patti Smith and now Emma and Emma's new commissions. And as Emma said, they are shown at 2021 each evening for a couple of minutes. And I think it's really interesting way of subverting that ordinary use for advertising and capitalism with particularly in Emma's case work that is questioning and challenging those structures. Lovely. So uh, Emma, tell us anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up. Um, well, I think it's um, important to also say there's also a Circa print edition, which is available as part of the Circa economy. And that I also have a show which will be opening 
very soon at DCA in Dundee. Lovely. Emma Talbot, winner of this year's Max Mara Prize. And Laura Smith, thanks so much for being with us on The Workplace. Thank Thank you. you. And that's it for another episode of The Workplace, the radio program about how to get into, get along and get ahead at work. Produced and presented by me, N.N.D. Woman powering on through the Women's History Month 2021 series. In this episode, I was speaking with Emma Talbot, this year's Max Mara Prize winner, and Laura Smith, curator at Whitechapel Gallery. The aim of the Max Mara Art Prize is to support and promote female UK-based artists, enabling them to develop their potential with the gift of time and space. Please visit whitechapelgallery.org for details. The first broadcast of this episode falls on the anniversary of the very first UK lockdown implemented on the 23rd of March 2020 as a result of the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic, which triggered a seismic change globally in the ways that we live work and socialize. Visit circa.art to find out more about Emma Talbot's animations, Four Visions for a Hopeful Future, a poignant prompt in these times. Please stay tuned to The Workplace and connect with me using hashtag WorkplaceNND. And thank you so much for listening. As always, it's been a pleasure being in your company. Till next time, keep finding new and better ways to keep working. <laughs>